Hey, we are going to continue on in our series about legend, and we get to look at the judge, Deborah, today. Uh, and so if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would open up your Bibles, open up your app, uh, your Bible app, or you can even go to the Mount Ararat app, and the scriptures will be there as well for you. But we're going to be in Judges chapters 4 and chapters 5. And those two chapters are basically the exact same story. One is a narrative. The other one is more of a song of victory, which is very common in the Old Testament. Many of you know that I am, uh, I am a coach uh, as well as, a, actually, I am a pastor first. I'm a counselor second. And then third of all, fourth, fifth, somewhere along that line, I coach uh, baseball in Mountain View High School. And we have this thing that, uh, you know, we keep 20 guys on a team. And the thing is, I can only play nine guys at a time, period. I can only play nine guys at a time. And so there's always these, there's some guys that are sitting the bench. But there's this mentality that needs to happen with these guys because every single one of them are one play away from becoming a starter. And so I need them to work hard and practice. I need them to continue to hone their skills because in one instance, somebody can go down and we're going to need somebody else to stand up. Football, we see it all the time. Good night, it's a modern day gladiator. Somebody goes down, they take him off on a cart and there's another willing participant that comes running out. Man down, man up. And that's really kind of the mentality of this. Now I tell you all of this because this is kind of the book of Judges. If you look at the book of Judges, if you have never read the book of Judges, I wanna encourage you to do so, all right? There are, and we're going to spend this week and we're going to spend next week, I believe Pastor Adam's going to be towards the end of the book in the book of Judges, but today we're going to look at the fourth judge, which is Deborah. Now, I will tell you that Deborah is the only female judge in Israel's history. She was only one of four female prophets in the Old Testament. So many times people go to this book it is one of the most highly researched book and chapters theologically in that they are trying, folks are trying to figure out and trying to manipulate the scriptures to decide roles of men, women in the church, things along those lines. And I just want to set this aside right now. This book, this account, this woman, Deborah, is a legendary leader, a legendary leader because she was a woman that was pursuing God. And this is all about giving glory to God. It has nothing to do with roles. Does that make sense? And I don't want to minimize this. I don't want to minimize this, and I don't want to get into a huge debate, but I think it's important that we look at this. The overarching scripture verse in the book of Judges comes at the very last line. It's, verse, it's chapter 21, verse 25. And this is the heart of Judges. 
In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. I will tell you, when I was in school and I read the book of Judges, we, had, we were given the assignment, and the next day, the next day, we were going to have a short quiz over it, and so we had to read the entire book of Judges. And so I'm sitting there, and I am just eye-guzzling this, this book, just trying to eat it, just trying to eat it one night. And at the end, I closed it up, and I can see it as clear as day today. I closed the book up when I came to the end of it, kind of dropped it on my desk in front of me, and as the words were on my mouth, on my tongue, it came out, these people were idiots. And the thought came to me, uh, that's you, John. Think about it. We love to do what we want to do. We always, we, we, it is our default. And so it's very easy to fall into the cycle of judges as much as it was in the Old Testament, as easy it is for us to do it. There is a cycle that goes on within the book of Judges. And I want to show this to you real quick. And it's very important that you see this. And as you read through the book of Judges, you will see this cycle. And the first part is that there is sin in the camp. There is always sin in the camp. And eventually with that sin, there is going to be discipline that comes from God. Eventually the people will repent and turn back to God and God will always lift up a leader, someone that will lead Israel and bring them back to God. And then there is a time of peace. Let me ask you this. How many of us go through this cycle in ourselves? I know I do. I like what I like when I like it and how I want it. And there is sin in my camp. And whenever there is sin in my camp, there has to be discipline for me to find, to finally get to the point where, listen, I need to purge this sin out of my life. We need to purge this sin out of my life. And so there's this act of repentance. God, I have and I recognize, and this is the beautiful thing, that pain and suffering often, this is a broad brush stroke, people, okay? Pain and suffering can be an incredible tool to bring us to our knees to find repentance and cry out to God. And when we earnestly and honestly cry out to God, and this has happened a number of times in my life, and I know I'm not the only one, there is deliverance. Sometimes it comes from someone coming into our life, if only for a season, that speaks wisdom into us, that gives us instruction, that listens to us, who is available for us. And they motivate us and they challenge us and they're constantly pointing us towards Jesus and towards the Father. I will tell you this, whenever I do a wedding, if you've ever been to a wedding that I do, there's one thing I do towards the end of every wedding. We're just about ready to announce husband and wife and they're getting all antsy and I stop everything and I turn them, the couple, towards the crowd and I have a charge to the audience that's there. And the joke is, by coming here, two things are gonna happen. One, you get free food, 
and free booze. The family's gonna provide this for you. Now, it's much more tasteful when I do it in a wedding ceremony, okay? <laughs> but it's just us today, okay? So, <clears throat> but then I give this challenge to everybody in the audience because the truth is, if I attend a wedding, I'm there to celebrate and I am there to be a witness to this marriage. And we have a responsibility to constantly point the couple back towards the marriage and to be in that marriage. And so I have, I have the audience stand, I give this little spiel that you know, while you're here, you've, your job is to point them back to one another. And if you're gonna do that, I'm just asking you to say I do, and they say I do. I've had one person said, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we kicked him out, but that's beside the point. Um, there are people in our lives that help lead us and guide us and keep us focused in on Jesus. And when we get there, tell me there isn't a sense of peace that comes. It's the peace that, as Paul says, that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that we cannot understand. It's a peace that we cannot even fathom. And as you read through the book of Judges, and even as you read this account of Deborah, and Jael, and Barak, all of these key people in here, and the people of Israel, they are gonna experience peace, but yet for some reason they allowed themselves to be under the impression of a foreign king and his general for 20 years. How many of us choose to stay in a miserable situation? way longer than we ever need to. Seven times in the book of Judges, this verse pops up. In those days, excuse me, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Seven times in the book of Judges alone, that cycle of we find peace and then we forget about God and there is chaos and there is oppression and there is pain, and there is suffering, all because the people chose to do what they wanted to do. Does that resonate with any of us today? Does that resonate with you? I know for me, it, it does. I know it does. All right, let's dive into this a little bit more, okay? Uh, Again, think about whenever you read the, ju the judges, think about the cycle and what is happening how, here when Deborah comes onto the scene. Deborah is gonna be the fourth judge. Israel has been under the oppression of the Canaanites for 20 years. If you've got your Bibles open, we're gonna be in chapter four real quick, starting in verse one. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. Now, Ehud was one of, was the second judge. There's another one between uh, Shamgar, who was between Ehud and Deborah. But Ehud was a, was a powerful, 
powerful judge. So the Lord sold, ready this, the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Horesheth Hoigium. Butchered that, I know I did. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried out to the Lord for help. Now let me set the scene here, okay? Israel is under the impression of this king, but more importantly, there is Sisera, the general of this king, who was brutal towards Israel, Brutal, these 900 chariots fitted with iron. The idea was that they would run these chariots, chariots literally over top of people. If you got in the way and there was a chariot coming down the road, the chariot would simply run over you. See, the Israelites weren't even human. They were dogs. They were a nuisance. They were something to be used and manipulated. And for 20 years, these people stood in there and allowed this to happen. And all they had to do was to cry out to God. Tell me that. How many of us are willing to allow life to just simply roll over us? And what we do, we take the stance, well, I probably deserved it. Or this is as good as life gets. What happens when we read scripture that says that Jesus came to give us life and to have it in abundance? Deborah finally comes on the scene. And this is the introduction of Deborah. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife, here we go. I'm gonna ruin this one too. Lapidoth, I think so, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her, uh, went up to her and had their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abaniah, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, now I'm gonna get to this. Deborah has been, and we don't know when she was selected, we don't know the background of this, but this is one of the greatest leaders in Israel's time because one of the things that you're gonna see, and I was just talking with somebody about this, that Deborah was the perfect leader because she gave guidance, but she never took credit. She allowed God to get the glory and for others to get the glory. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful idea here. What a beautiful idea here. But we don't know how she got here, but the reality is she is here. She is here. And at the time that she rises up, at the time that God brought her to the forefront, let me give you an example of what it was like in Israel of these 20 years. Not only do we have this general, Sisera, that is killing people and just annihilating people for no good reason whatsoever, but in this, there is almost on the verge, we're almost on the verge of anarchy because everybody is looking out for their own interests. 
Judges 5, 6 through 8. This is an idea of what's going on. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Yael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding path, paths. Villagers and Israels would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but did but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. What you have here, you've got civil unrest, you've got political unrest, you have military crisis, you even have a crisis within faith because nobody is following God, no one is looking to Yahweh, they're worshiping the Canaanite gods, they're entering into relationships, doing the very things that God had always told them not to do. People are afraid to go out in the streets. People take the back ways. They try to stay to themselves. Nobody's making eye contact with anybody. Does that sound anything remotely like what we've got going on now? Think about this. There is chaos that is happening even within our own world here. Because what we've done, we have chosen to eliminate and kick God out of the equation and we wonder why there's no peace. We wonder why there's no peace. And everybody wants what they want when they want it and how they want it. And there's almost, we're on the verge of anarchy. When we kick God out of the equation, when we no longer allow ourselves to be under any type of authority, I become the authority. And when I become the authority, I get to do whatever I want and forget the rest of you. I become very myopic in my eyesight, very short-sighted. I can only see me. I can only worry about what I think what I feel and what I want to do. And I forget the much larger picture that life is not about me. In the famous first line of Rick Warren's book, it's not about you, a purpose-driven life. The very first line says, it's not about you. It is about God and it's about his people bringing honor and glory to him. And as a good king, he blesses us. Don't want to get in prosperity gospel here, okay? But there is this idea when I worship, when I walk with God, there is a blessing. There is a peace that surpasses understanding. That there is peace even in the midst of chaos, this is what's happening. Now, I'm going to roll out, and I can, and, and I can tell you the whole story. Let me, let me give a brief scenario of what's going to happen in this story. Deborah is going to call the general, which is Barak. Barak's going to come. She's going to give him very real instructions that she got from God. You are going to take 10,000 men, and you are going to fight against Sisera Yes, even with his 900 chariots. But more importantly, understand this. You are going to be a show of force, but it is God who is going to go before you and bring you victory. And Barak, the general, says, I ain't going unless you go. And she goes, I'll go. So they went. And this is the beautiful part. 
Because he hesitated, Deborah said, that's fine, I'm gonna go, but understand this, you're not gonna get glory for this. Someone else, and you ready for this? A woman's gonna get glory for this. And not only a woman, but a Gentile woman. Someone who isn't even from, the, from any of the tribes. And Barak is going, okay, whatever, I don't care, I'll go as long as you go with me. They go, they completely rout the Canaanites. Completely rout the Canaanites. And Sisera, the general, the cruel one, is all by himself and he is running and he is running away from Israel. Now I'll tell you this, when you read these accounts here in, in Judges, it gets pretty graphic. It's pretty graphic. But Sisera runs into this tent of a lady of, by the name of Jael. The Hebrew pronunciation of it is Yael, a Gentile woman. He goes in the tent and she sees that he's in big time trouble. And he goes, give me something to drink. Give me some water. And I love this. Instead, what she gives him is warm milk. And then she puts him under some covers. And he falls sound asleep. And it doesn't tell us why. And I can only assume that she saw the evil that this man did. And she knew that he was being pursued by Israel, their enemy. She took a tent stake and a hammer <laughs> and put it through his temple into the ground. And as scripture said, and he died. I want to challenge you to go and read this account. I challenge you to go read chapters four and five. Actually, I challenge you to read the entire book of Judges because it's wonderful. And understand this, it's us. Though this is 4,000 years ago, it's us today. So in the time that I have remaining here, I want to point out three very important things about Deborah that make her a legendary leader, all right? This is where you get to take notes, and this is what I'm gonna ask you. If you wanna be legendary, I wanna be legendary. I wanna do great things for God. These are three things that I see from Deborah. First of all, you ready for this? She listened. She flat out listened. In chapter four, and really in verse five, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramoth and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. The first thing she did is that she was willing to listen. Not only did she listen to others, but most importantly, she listened for the voice of God. How many of us in our hustle and bustle don't have or 
prevent ourselves from listening or trying to hear the soft, gentle whisper of God in our life. If I want to lead well, whatever that sphere of influence that God has put us in, I first have to listen. I have to listen to you attentively, and I have to listen to God. Do you know, as a, as a counselor, I spend so much time listening to people. And there's some times where I'm like, God, I got no idea. I got zero clue what to say here. I got zero clue what to do. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to listen to the individual, and I'm, I'm the duck underneath, and my mind's going, come on, God, come on, God, come on, God, you gotta give me something. And daggone if he doesn't. But when I'm attentive and I'm listening, God is faithful. But I have to be a willing vessel to listen. Second of all, she gave instruction. She instructed people. While she is listening, the people came and they also, she helped make them decisions, helped make decisions that were right, that were based in faith, that were good. And I will tell you, even in her strength, she was able to do that. She was wise. She listened attentively. She listened to God and she was able to instruct well. But she also was able to do it in her weakness. You gotta understand that a woman at this time at best was marginalized. They were put in a category. But yet she is not, she's not in a category other than she is a judge. And so even within her weakness, perceived weakness, she had great strength. Let me ask you this. There are so many times that we think that we are incapable of being able to be of any help to anybody because of our past. I would tell you a great story for me. When, we, when I first came to faith, I think we'd been going to church for about three months. And it was a Sunday afternoon. And... And somebody tapped us on church, uh, church that morning. And they said, hey, John, listen, we're taking some teens to Richmond now. We lived in Virginia Beach. We're taking some teens to Richmond. We need somebody to drive a van. Could you drive a van and just take them up there? And my first thought was, do you not know who I am? Do you not know the sin that's in my life? But then I was also, I was so dumbfounded, they, they even asked. And so in my weakness, I said, okay. And I drove a Chevy Astro van. Again, I just dated myself. <laughs> what an awful vehicle. But anyways, <laughs> the driver's seat was broken. I am six foot four. The ladies' van I took was 5'4". For an hour and a half, I drove with my knees behind my ears, and I was like, this is great! 
Now, I will tell you this, if they, get you, if they ask you to drive someplace and they say we need you back by a certain time, don't stop, say, to Dairy Queen just because it was fun for the kids and show up an hour late. People get really angry at you, okay? So, I didn't know, I didn't know. I wanna share something with you, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter one, I think this is so important. When we talk about being able to minister through our weaknesses, Minister through our own mistakes. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this. I mean, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You now listen to this. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in, in, in the sufferings of Christ so also our comfort abounds through Christ. What this means is, listen, in my weakness, when I have gooned things up in my sinfulness, God can redeem that and he can use it for good. Tell me about this. How many of you, how many of you have a past? I do, yeah. How many people have had God redeem that and put people in your life that all of a sudden you're going, I understand that. I totally understand that. I can listen to you and I can give you instructions of what God did for me. What you do with it is up to you. But the comfort that God gave me and how he walked me out of this, let me tell you what God did for me. That is being able to minister from a place of weakness but also of strength. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us he asked three times for whatever this thorn in his flesh to be removed from him. And God said, no, I'm not going to do it. And these are the words that Paul said. But he said to me, Jesus speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. Do you see this? I am enjoying my weakness. I don't know if enjoying is the right word. I will rest in my weakness. It is for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults and in hardship and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Dang, in our weakness, we can be incredible legendary leaders. Did you ever think that some of the things that God allows to go through our life is to make us legendary people so that we can speak to others, listen to others, and move them forward? The last thing about Deborah, and I love this, she was available. She was available. Do we make ourselves available for God? 4-9. Let me set this up. Barak has been given specific instructions from Deborah. You will take this army and God will go before you. Barak said, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And I love what Deborah said here. Certainly, I will go. She was 
available. Will you make yourself, do we make ourselves available to others? See, this is what Deborah did. She made herself available to God. She made herself available to others. And in doing so, she, we have 4,000 years later, the account of a faithful woman who listened, who gave instructions from a place of weakness and a place of strength in God. And most importantly, she was absolutely available. Deborah, in her song, as she closes out this section, chapter 5, verse 2, she says these words. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willing, willingly offer themselves, praise to the Lord. Again, she will say something like this in verse 9. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. This is the deal, folks. Man down. Man up. It's our turn. It's our turn to be legendary. Will you listen to God? Will you heed his instruction? And will you make yourself available? Next weekend, and this is one of our core, one of our core beliefs here at the Mount, is about volunteering. Next Sunday, we are going to have a volunteer kickoff. And I'm hoping that so many of you will be able to come to that. I hope that you will listen. And I hope that you will find something that says, you know what? I'm going to do something out of the ordinary. I'm going to do something for the kingdom and for God. And for maybe just a small handful of other people. And I'm going to make myself available to volunteer. Now, this is the deal. We've got a ton of stuff that you can do here. But the opportunities are limitless. We say something every week about going and being the church. And I really think so much of that is are we willing to really enter in, minister to and through and with God to other people. It may be holding a door. It may be in the parking lot. It may be providing security for here. It may be working with, 
with our young kids. It may be working with our students. And some of you are thinking, but, you know, I got such a past. I don't know if they're going to do that. Hey, listen, let's find something that's good for you. I went from going, you want me to drive what and who, where? Do you not know who I am? To stand right here today. And that is not of John. That is not of John. If it was left to me, I would have been dead years ago. It is to God's glory. And you know what? It's a pretty doggone good life right now. This is my question for you. It's time. It's not even a question, it's more of a statement. Dare I say, it's time. Because you're hearing these words. To become, to start becoming the fullness of everything that God wants in you. And I think one of the greatest things is is to volunteer because in doing so it takes us out of ourselves if only for a moment and puts the focus on someone else and when we start doing that when we start trusting God that he knows what he's doing we begin to fall into great relationship with him and we allow ourselves and God allows us to enter into great relationship with other people and all of a sudden what we're doing is we are filling and fulfilling the greatest commandments to love God and to love others. So today's lesson is what is your next step? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you so much for who you are and that you are mindful of us. I thank you that you are able to take us and redeem us and redeem all the hurts and all the mistakes and all the trials and all the tribulations if we will be willing to listen, that we will be willing to allow you to instruct us, and most of all, that we will become willing to be available for what you have in store for us. God, my prayer is today that anyone who has been sitting on the fence, who thinks that they don't quite have it good or that they are still missing the mark and they think that they've got to get everything together before they can actually come to you, God, would you simply just push them off of that wall and let them know that you have always loved them, even in the midst of everything that we've done, that they are your child whom you love and are well pleased with, even before they've done anything. God, be with us who, for whatever reason, we hesitate and we don't make ourselves available or we stop listening, or we stop taking instruction. Soften our hearts. May we get out of self, focus our eyes on you, and in doing so, 
see others that we may not have seen for a very, very long time. God, we need you. Come and move according to your great will. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.